Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens around them. Yay. I've gotten some documents together. Yeah. Tell me about documents. Which I had some low expectations about because sometimes these things are quite difficult. Yeah. So often with changing your, your documents um, in transition, you are trying to do things like get your state ID or driver's license changed mm-hmm. from female to male. Mm-hmm. And then you, other things you can do. And often people do social security card next because that one is the next cheapest thing to do. Mm-hmm. You do have to get a letter. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the process is it'll say that it's not required to have surgery, but basically the letter says you had surgery. Yeah. So, um, but some of the documents I've looked at from the state where I was born, because I've also wanted to change my birth certificate, which I I wasn't sure I'd ever want to bother with. I mean, you have other documents. You have your mm-hmm. picture ID, you have your passport. Right. You know, your social security card doesn't really say your gender. No, it doesn't. Although it, you want it you to match. You often have a name. Yeah. And you want the record on file with social security to match. You want everything to match with social security because they're the feds and they can muck things up worse than anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they perceive it to be incorrect. Uh-huh. So, um, I I took the same type of form that mm-hmm. you, the state sent me to change the birth certificate. And that form is an affidavit that you get your doctor to sign and you have it notarized. Mm-hmm. So I filled out the forms and I gave them to my surgeon mm-hmm. and I said, hey, because I was there for a checkup, again, taking right. advantage of you're in front of the doctor. Mm-hmm. So in front of the surgeon, I say, hey, um, I have these letters and they're, they need to be notarized. Mm-hmm. And this is the easiest way for me to change my documentation yes. is to just get these affidavits from you. Mm-hmm. And he said, sure, no problem. My accountant's down the road just, you know, in the same complex. And so I can do that and my office will call you when they're ready. Yes. So that was easy. Mm-hmm. The accountant had a notary? Yes. Okay. The accountant has a notary in their office. So the doctor filled, you know, I filled out the forms. All the doctor really had to do is fill in his information and, you know, like his medical license and stuff like that. Right. And... Um, but they, they were not for the state we live in. So what I did was I took the forms for the, for the birth certificate in that, in the state where I was born and I modified them for our state Mm -hmm. so that I'd have an affidavit from where I live now for my current documentation. Yes. But for the birth certificate, they want their forms. Yes. And that can be true with a lot of people's forms. So if you want to change your birth certificate, you have to look it up and Find out what forms do they want specifically for that state and probably even for that county. Yes. What's really nice is these days a lot of places have forms. Yes. It's not a convoluted process of what do I do. Mm -hmm. You don't have to make it up out of your own head. You have a 
pre-made form or pre-made example. You don't have to keep trying and get it wrong and mm-hmm. until they decide to accept it. Yes. Which can happen regardless because I did take that affidavit and all that documentation and send in for my passport. Mm-hmm. And when I brought that to the passport office, they looked at it all and they, the woman said to me, well, I haven't done this in a while, so... And often what I've noticed at the DMV and at the passport office and at other offices where they do things like Mm -hmm. this, when they say I haven't done this in a while, what they mean is I have never done this shit. (laughs) I am really not sure. I don't know what I'm doing here. Sorry. But I'm going to do what I can. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what I am supposed to without offending you because I'm not supposed to offend you either, which is really good. Yes. (laughs) And I'm going to find out what to do. Uh-huh. Or in the, So that's what happened. They, they don't want to admit their ignorance, and so they feign forgetfulness. In general, that's what they do with everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's part of the training or, or whatnot. Yes. But also, being, you know, in a in a small town, in a public office, where these things are sensitive matters these mm-hmm. days in a lot of cases. Yes. They don't want to offend people and get in trouble at their job either. No. So, in any case... The, the, Even in a small town, they're still federal the employees. The DMV people, really, they didn't know what they were doing, but he was going to just do it and find out how. Because I was giving him <laughs> official papers. Wouldn't you give him the papers? The DMV, they they, they were kind of funny because they looked at the wrong set of doctors, even. Yeah, they couldn't find the doctor. We did talk about that. We though. did talk so, about that a long time ago, though. So, with the passport office, all she said to me is... I haven't done one of these in a while, which in, I could just tell like by the tone of voice or something that that means I have never done this. Yes. So she says, so do you know, did you look and do you have all the documents you need? And I say, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Because I did look. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a copy of both sides of my driver's license, which she did know I needed. Mm-hmm. So I had to go down the road and get them <laughs> at the little corner store where they charge you a dollar for a copy. Because it's convenient. Yes. And, um... Photocopying racket. Yeah, it's okay. Nobody cares at that point. They're like, here's my dollar. (laughs) So, bring it back. And she gave me a little ticket. I didn't have to wait in line again, which is great. Because when I got there, I was the second person in line. And when I came back with the other side of my driver's license photocopied, there was 10 people in line. But you didn't have to wait because you had the little ticket. I just brought it up there and, and, uh... So she she took it all and sent it all in, and I hope it's correct, because then I went across the street to the Social Security office with the same type of papers. Yes. Not all of the same, because with the passport, it was fairly easy. I had a current passport from when we went on our honeymoon. Yes. And even though that wasn't, well, I guess it was a little bit out of the country. We, 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 went we, to we stopped in Canada. Yes. On our way. Yes, we did. <laughs> But most most ships are international, and you have to have a passport to go on them. Yes. So, in any case, I had the passport, so you give that to them, and that's already official, so they're cool with that. Yes. And at the Social Security office, mm-hmm. again, I wasn't too long in line before I could go up to the desk and give her the papers, and she looks at it, and she says, oh, no, we can't do this. And uh, I say, okay, you Why? Know, I'm not going to get mad, because I'm just going to pod through. Mm-hmm. She says, we need a certified copy. And I say, well, that's an affidavit. They don't come certified. 
they get notarized. Mm-hmm. And it's notarized. It is notarized. So can you tell me what, what I need? Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to leave and not have them tell me what I need. That's, right. you know. And she says... Do you think at that point she was just being obstructionist because of the issue? Or do you think that she was just being a I, jerk because she's tired of being in public service like a lot of us are? <laughs> really big grin. Yes. Feeling it. Um, I think it, I think actually, if you want me to analyze that, it was some of each. I think she's like, oh my God, here's another person with another thing. And I'm still at this window doing my job. Damn it. <laughs> and then it's, um, it was also, that was the federal, uh, response to, I don't know what the fuck to do with this, so I won't. Right. That's how the feds do it. Yeah. I don't know what to do, so I won't. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I gave the best appropriate answer I can give in that type of situation, which is, if this doesn't work, what will? What should I do? Let me put you in charge so you'll feel better and you'll be able to tell me what you need from me. That's that's the kind of the best way to deal with public servants. And you and I both Some, as sometimes public I, sector employees, we know. We deal with our coworkers. <laughs> we do. <laughs> um, that can work really great in a lot of situations where it's something that's not very deep. When you're dealing with a real ass who wants to be indignant because they are biased, mm-hmm. you're not going to solve it that easy. And right. I, you know, we've read a lot of these things online. We've seen them and we, we know about that. Yes. So when it it's can a be, matter of bigotry or discrimination. It can be, it can just be amusing when it's not. Yes. Of, okay, we'll just deal with ourselves here. Mm-hmm. And she said, she didn't know what to do with me then. And she said, okay, I will go and consult the person back there that I is in charge of me, basically, <laughs> and ask them what I should do with you. Yes. And she disappeared for a while. And sometimes I think that they disappear long enough to try to make everybody in line behind you mad at you. I, I think they do. <laughs> I totally would do that. But, but I wasn't worried because, you know, we're everybody's in this line at Social Security and something's going to be bothersome, really. You're yeah. at Social Security, you're bothered by the fact that you have to go deal with them. <laughs> And um, speaking of which, let me just throw something in the middle there. Uh-huh. Because you do that. I do. <laughs> I love that. I had the mirror that was still broken on the driver's side of my car uh-huh. taped on with a mustache duct tape. Yes. I loved that. And I pulled into the parking lot. These two teenagers that were with their parent saw it and started laughing hysterically. It made them very happy to see that. <laughs> And I thought, oh, well, this is good. Glad you can make someone smile at the Social Security office. (laughs) Yes, I did. So she's, you know, I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, just like you guys were just waiting to see what happened. And she comes back and she says, okay, um, all of this is good. Like she never said before that it was not good. She says, you know. This is wrong. This is all good except for this part. Mm -hmm. And she has it highlighted and on the document, on the papers I had them sign, the original one I gave them said, the doctor's name being MD slash DO being duly sworn on oath and acknowledging the criminal pen- penalties of perjury and filing a false affidavit. State that I am licensed in good standing to practice medicine in the U.S. State of blah, 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 blah. 
that wasn't okay with Social Security, the language needed to state, I declare under penalty of perjury under the laws of the United States that the foregoing is true and correct. So the words were out of order and missed the United States. Yes, they didn't swear to the United States. The laws of the United States. The laws of the United States. That it was true. They only swore on their license that was licensed in the U.S. And so <laughs> that, you know, that's not okay. And um, I had to fix it. So I did two things. I fixed the affidavit so I could have a doctor sign it again. And I decided to wait a little bit and see if the passport comes back. Because if it comes back in a decent amount of time, I can just take that to Social Security and say, hey. Here's my new corrected information. Yes. Because they will take another form of corrected identification, federal identification. Yes, they will. Because the other Fed said it was okay. So I'm waiting a little bit to see about that because... I have other issues to deal with with Social Security, which is... Oh, my goodness. Can we talk about the other issues of Social Security? Do we have time? We do. Okay. I have identity theft since about 2009. Mm -hmm. When our gym, which is part of a medical facility... Yes. ...had a breach in their computer system and leaked all our information all over the place. Mm -hmm. And at that time, they gave us... A free, like, I don't know, six months or a year of monitoring your credit. With one of those commercial services. One of the services that was well known enough in name that that they could do that. Mm -hmm. And they gave you the, you know, not the kind where you just look it up and see how it's going, but the the next best thing that was still a lower price deal for them. Right. So anyhow, they gave us this. It was totally worthless because... I would have to keep reporting to them once I figured out it was going on. I would have to keep reporting to them. Hey, here's another breach. Let me tell you so you can put it on my record and tell me about it. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, they, they never caught anything. You kept having to inform them yes, of everything. They didn't catch anything. Um, so I've had this since 2009 and... I've had, over the last five years now, Mm -hmm. lots and lots of problems that have come out of it. And Social Security does not like to change your Social Security number. Mm -mm. They'll change it for DV victims, which is really good that they'll do that. Mm -hmm. And they'll do that fairly easily. Yes. For things like... Working in the public sector, we're familiar with the abbreviation DV. Domestic violence. Yes. Yes. If you are a victim of domestic violence, they will change your social because... All you have to do is take them the TPL. Yes. And say, I need to change this for my safety. And they'll do it. The protection order. The protection order. Temporary protection order. hmm Which sometimes needs to really be permanent, but they still call it a temporary protection order. Any case, <laughs> um, the problem of identity theft, you have to prove that it's really causing you a problem. And by prove, there's a very substantial burden of proof. Yes. They want lots of documentation that this is causing you grief on different levels, such as your credit and ability to get loans Mm -hmm. and 
anything with taxes. Mm -hmm. And this year I got a tax form about $20,000 that I did not borrow nor get a loan forgiveness of Mm. from one of the episodes of identity theft. Right. And that means that I have to deal with the IRS. Mm-hmm. And once you have to deal with the IRS, then you're dealing with other feds, and sometimes that can be enough proof to Social Security. Yes. By saying, now look what this is doing mm-hmm. to my the rest of my life here. You have to you have to show all this stuff. Here's my police reports. Here's my reports to the Federal Trade Commission. Here's- and the police reports are kind of a joke anyway, because until recently with the credit reform acts after the American credit collapse and the housing bubble and everything, the Consumer Protection Bureau or some other similarly named bureaucratic attempt at helping the American public instated all these laws that are there to help people who have been victimized. But up until earlier this year or the middle of last year, it was earlier this year because I, I know I went online to file a police report again in the fall. Okay. And, and typically what would happen is I'd go to file a pre- police report. This is what you're talking about, it being worthless. And I'd file it and would I could print that and I could get the email back saying it's being reviewed. And then I'd get an email saying it was rejected because I didn't have proof from the place I was trying to make the police report for. Yes. And the, the credit agency, whether it was, you know, the, the credit giving institution, whether it was a bank or a lender or whoever wouldn't give you any information until you had the police report, but the police wouldn't take the report until you had information from the lender. Yes. So all I could do is make a report to show that I tried, I tried and it's really not me. And I really am willing to prosecute. These people, if I could get my hands around their throat. That's not called prosecute. Oh, darn. <laughs> um, at this point, I'm just willing to get my social changed if they, if they will. And I wasn't real big on the idea before. Mm-hmm. But it would be really handy to have it changed now because I'm getting problems that could potentially be longer-term problems with IRS. Mm-hmm. And... It would be nice to have it changed out of my own convenience right? because of my gender marker and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be as traceable. Right. Whatever I do when I use a new social security number, mm-hmm. it's not going to disclose all that former information. It won't. And for example, when I was trying to set up your mother's banking, it came up with your old name on her forms and said, what address did you share with this female name mm-hmm. as an identity check for her? Right. And what street did you live on with this former name? You know, when it has those associated yeah. identities. It will still on hers because her identity is still associated with that name and social. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at my social and it was a new one, it wouldn't show any of those things. No, it wouldn't. Your old would social will have the old names on it. What you do have to do if you get a new social is then tie the information you do need, like your current job and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, to that social. 
Mm-hmm. Which is a big process. Yes. So none of it's a small process, but I'm going to look into it now. So we'll have another Social Security report. We'll have one for if I get my passport and I go over there with it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to try to do both things at once and have them, A, get confused, and B, decide that they're connected and that I'm trying to get a new social specifically because of my gender marker change. No. I could go in, if I have the passport, I could go in to talk to them about changing the social under the identity theft problem. And mm-hmm. then when they say, well, this says female and you're not female, I could show them the passport and everything like that. Yeah. And, you know, then that would, that would. then they could change it at the same time, mm-hmm. but that would be a sidebar for them. It would. It would. So those are two different ways of approaching it. And we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yep. We've had issues with your mother's social security too. Speaking of banks and associated identities. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago about trying to get her Social Security set up with survivor benefits. But it starts really when I went to my mother's house Mm -hmm. right after her husband died. Yes. And we called Social Security and and we we meant to call them immediately. But, you know, we had the podiatrist and BFE and all this other stuff in the way. Stupid death. Yeah. Stupid podiatrist being in BFE. Why did she pick the BFE podiatrist? It has something to do with my uncle's wife used to work there. And it was at a different address before, but I think it still was in BFE. And it makes about as much sense as how communication works (laughs) in my family. The cliff bar. Yes. You say, we're going to do this or this. And then she answers totally something else. But with the Social Security, we finally did call probably about three or four days in. Mm-hmm. And the idea being, we know it can take a long time to get this stuff rolling. And you want to get it rolling as soon as possible because I knew she didn't have any money and she was going to need it mm-hmm. to have an apartment and everything. Mm-hmm. So we called. They took a lot of information. So They gave called- us an appointment. This was January. They gave us an appointment for March 18th. Mm-hmm. And because everything takes forever with the Fed. Yeah. So that's, you know, two months later and we could do it by phone or in person. And at that point it was hard getting my mother around. And I said, oh, no, we'll do it on the phone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So March 18th comes and I have to be at my mother's house here in town here at 2.30. And my aunt's over there. So I know this is going to be amusing. (laughs) Um, And... I had not called them to give them a house line number to update the house line number so they could call us on that because it's always easier to talk on a house phone. It is. Than a cell phone. Uh huh. Cell phones are great for texting and getting on your Facebook. <laughs> Talking on cell phones, the phone part is questionable. So I did let them know and she said, okay, well, if I call you back on that phone number, I have to start over again and ask you all these questions to identify you again. And we said, Okay, we let's not do that, but if we get disconnected, go ahead and call us on the house line because you're going to have to ask us all the questions regardless if we get disconnected, which, of course, right. can happen on a cell phone. So we have to answer all these questions with Social Security, and this is a federal form, and really she's just reading the screens, which yeah. would be reading the form. And we're familiar with this process. Which is asking lots of repetitive, stupid questions. 
Yes. And we, we do this all the time in our own jobs. So I'm very used to it. Yes. We answer all the stupid questions and we get to the important one. And then there's a bunch of more stupid ones. And then you ask the more important ones. Uh huh. It's making my mother very irritated, which is not hard to do. No. <laughs> and it's you know, not. it's not hard to do. It's kind of just her. And then of course, she's dealing with a lot of stuff I don't think she's dealt with in years. Mm -hmm. And then she's dealing with a lot of grief. Mm -hmm. And so I have to stop at some point and say to her, I, I know that she's asking questions that seem ridiculous to you. However, she's really just reading you the form that she has to type in the answers to. Mm -hmm. Just like if we were filling it out. So please try to be nice to her. Mm -hmm. And Which, you had to tell her this just like a three-year-old. Three-year-olds won't listen. No. Five-year-old. Um, six. Six if you're our daughter. <laughs> um, but she thought about it, and she realized she was getting irritated and said, okay, I understand. And she was nicer. Oh, good. So that was good. And It's always nice to see your mother trying to be cooperative. Yes. It's funny, I have to tell her to be cooperative. Like, I've had to teach myself over the years. <laughs> so I we see this reflection. Yes. Come by it honestly, as you like to say. They ask lots and lots of questions. Mm -hmm. And the social worker who was part of the home services had said to my mother, you need to check if you can get benefits from your husband, who just died, mm -hmm. or from George's father. Mm -hmm. who died 20-something years ago. Right. And one of them may be higher benefits, and they will give you the higher benefit. Yes. And it turns out Social Security wants to give you the higher benefit because Medicaid wants you to have, Medicaid and Medicare want you to have the higher benefits so they're not paying up the difference. Mm -hmm. And how these balances work is, my mother was getting Medicare and they were taking out of the 700 something dollars, they were taking $104 every month to pay for her insurance. Mm -hmm. And then they paid for some of her services and she had co-pays just mm -hmm. like you and I do mm -hmm. with our work insurance. We have co-pays when we right. go to the doctor or get prescriptions or whatever. Right. But once you fall under a certain income bracket in your state, you can get a state Medicaid Mm -hmm. In most places, I don't know if that's true everywhere. I doubt it because I hear lots of, you know, conflicting information about fights that happen about this on NPR. But anyhow, you apply to Medicaid, which we did at the welfare office for my mom when she got here. Mm -hmm. And they pay for the supplemental insurance. So mm -hmm. the $104 then gets paid for by Medicaid to mm -hmm. Medicare. Mm -hmm. However, both of them will get mad if you didn't get the Social Security and pay for it yourself. Right. So what they want you to do is get your Social Security, keep your Medicare, because that's what we do in the United States. When we're over a certain age, you get Medicare. That's mm -hmm. your insurance. And pay for the $104 out of the Social Security benefit that you're getting. Mm -hmm. Okay? So it turns out that my mom's husband, who just passed, Mm-hmm. It was my understanding from what the woman said that it would only raise her Social Security income about $48 or something. From her late husband that just recently passed, your yes. stepdad. Yes, my stepfather. 
I could funds. I could totally be wrong about that. It could be a hundred and something or so many hundreds and forty eight. I don't know, but, but I it's heard a, this. a fairly small amount. Either it's a way. small amount in comparison. And this number is based on how many years of over the table tax paying work mm-hmm. that he had done. But what I also found out is he worked for the railroad at some point, mm-hmm. which has a different system and does affect how they calculate the Social Security benefits. Oh, sort of like us with our state retirement system, and it conflicts with the federal retirement Social Security. So we don't, we are not paying into Social Security. Yes, because a lot we, of states do that. Yeah, we have whatever Social Security benefits we had from before that. And we have whatever we have when we leave a state or county job and work somewhere else. Right. My father did not work for the railroad. A thing I found out about my father. Mm -hmm. So I found out about my stepfather. He worked for the railroad at some point. Didn't know that. Mm -hmm. As my mother's answering these questions. My father worked for like 22 or 24 years over the table at a job that paid into Social Security. Mm Mm-hmm. And before that, I remember my mother saying, well, he started working at some young age, like Mm -hmm. 17 or something. Mm -hmm. And when he didn't start working these other jobs till he was like 20. So I said, well, what did he do? And he was apparently a trapper in like one of the upper Midwestern states near Canada. Lovely. (laughs) Had no idea. I asked my sister, did you know? That was a valid employment option at that time. That's kind of crazy. I know. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like late, late 50s or, you know, maybe. Yeah, it's got to be late 50s. Yeah. And I said to my sister, did you know that? Of course, she was daddy's girl. And she did know that about Hmm. him. I didn't know. So that was interesting to me. So my dad was a trapper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Which has to do back with the saucer sled, which we did talk about. We did talk about the saucer sled. (laughs) All right. So. What what turns out is my mother could get basically um, the maximum Social Security benefit by getting my father's benefits. Yes. And he's been dead for 20-something years, and she's 70, and she could have started collecting them when she was 60. Right. Even though she was divorced from him. Now, let me put that in quotations. <laughs> she was <clears throat> divorced. So she thought. She thought. She cried. Yes, that was her explanation to me when when we went through this, um, because she said to Social Security, "Here's when I married this guy. Here's when he when we divorced. Here's when he died. That was my dad. Then here's where I married this guy, and here's where he died." And the, they need verification of all this. Yes, Social Security office. The lady on the phone said, "Okay, here's the documents I need. I need the." Marriage certificates, death certificates, and the divorce decree. And I say to my mom, do you have the divorce decree? And she says, no. And I say, what? Why, Why not? <laughs> what? I kind of thought she didn't because I had never heard her mention it. But uh-huh. she didn't say, oh, when we're looking for all these other documents while well, we went through two bazillion papers at their house, find a divorce decree. No. She didn't say that. Uh-uh. So I kind of never thought she had it, but it didn't occur to me maybe it didn't exist. No. Didn't occur to her either, it turns out. No. Because her explanation to the lady on the phone was, well, he had me sign it in like October and said it went to the courts in January or something like that. Well, here's so the thing be that... two years that you have to look up. 
Right. Here's the thing that's curious to me at that point. If he said the papers went to the court, usually papers don't just go to the court. Usually people go to the court. And even when you, you know, file a joint no-fault divorce petition, mm -hmm. usually people at least have to show up. Right. So we have to track it down at that point. And we, you know, we're talking to Social Security and we don't know. But I, I immediately suspect they're not divorced mm -mm. without even doing the timeline, which I then thought about. If he had her signed papers in October, he had a stroke on his birthday, which was the beginning of November. Mm -hmm. So late October, he supposedly has her signed papers. This is a guy who didn't like to pay his taxes. I can't see why he would have paid for a divorce. But certainly if he has her signed papers in October and has a stroke in November and had continuous strokes, like weekly and then eventually daily, for the next six months until he died. Right. He did he not file any divorce papers or get them done. But my mother says, I say, well, who did this divorce? And she says, your father's cousin. I'm like, oh, boy. Now I'm really, really sure it didn't happen. Now these are the Italian cousins in the large metropolitan area with the <clears throat> family business. And so they need a uh, <clears throat> straight arrow lawyer on board in their <clears throat> family. You could put it that way. I suspect you really could. Yeah. I think that this particular family member lawyer, my my opinion of him is he was more on the periphery of any of that type of stuff. But that's, you know, that's a whole other character reference. So he was one of the more straight and narrow guys, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Okay. But my mother says your father's cousin, but no, not that one. It was his brother. And so here we go back to transition stuff. I've changed my name like 20 years ago. Uh-huh. I've changed myself since then. Yes. And so if I call a cousin that I knew when I was a kid who knows me as my father's daughter and yes. might know something else, might not. Right. He's not going to recognize me or know who the hell I am or that it's really me. He's going to have no reason to give you any information that no, you're asking for. No, none at all. And I could explain it to him, and I'm sure that would be fine. But it's easier to have my aunt call him, and here's why. My aunt and my cousin, my dad's cousin, were teenagers at the same time. Mm -hmm. And apparently they, they dated a little bit. And then about a year or so ago, when my aunt was visiting my mother in Chicago, she went to lunch with him. Mm -hmm. And he's divorced. And she's twice widowed. Mm -hmm. So um, I say to my aunt, the one who fights with my mother all the time. Yes, that's her. Can you call Cousin Joe for me? Mm -hmm. And here's why. And she says, oh, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. You know. She likes to be helpful she when likes she's to, not being a pest. She likes to be helpful. And yeah, she likes to be helpful. She does. And I knew that she would like to be helpful. Uh -huh. So she did. She contacted him. And he, you know, and then she said, I left him a message. And then she said, okay, I talked to him. And he said, his, he knows his brother didn't do it because his brother was still in school. Uh huh. And it might have been somebody else, but he doesn't think so. And the reason is, he knows how much trouble he went through for his divorce. Mm -hmm. And you have to go in front of the judge. Yes. And they did not. 
Mm -mm. So when I talked to my mother about this, she said, but I cried. And I said, well, in your mind, you were divorced. Mm -hmm. In her mind, that was her emotional marker for the, the divorce that happened. And she believed she was divorced. And emotional markers don't fly with the Social Security. They don't. (laughs) So in the meantime, what Social Security wants is a divorce decree or something saying they were not divorced. So how do you find proof that nothing exists? How do you prove the null hypothesis? Well, what you do is first you have your geeky tech wife look all over online at the available county and state web pages and other sources that say, how to order these documents because social security wants real documents. They want them. They're going to send them back to your certified mail, but they want the actual death certificate, the actual birth certificate, the everything. Yes. And we just got done looking up court records for you with San Francisco. So we're pretty familiar by now with this process of going into the court website, looking through their database, finding what we want and ordering it. Mm -hmm. If it's there. If it's there. Then we had to find out. We we did all of this. We looked. There were no records, no records, no records. There were other types of records that would show up when you did searches. Mm-hmm. And some of them actually pertained to my parents. Mm-hmm. But none of them were divorce records. Mm-hmm. And then we went to like a private one where you pay and you can do a search and it'll tell you there are so many birth records. There are so many death records. There are so many marriage records. There are so many The commercial records. sites, they want to tease you with the option of, here are all the records that we have. And so they want to show you every possible hit that there could be in the hopes that you will pay them money to get a copy of those records. And even so. All of them said zero divorce records for my mother. Yep. And for your father. Fortunately, because he was married twice as well. He was married to my half-sister's mom when mm-hmm. he was a trapper. <laughs> and then he was married to my mom. And my understanding is they were actually divorced the first time. I'm sure not going to find out or try to because I don't want to explain that to Social Security. But I am fairly <laughs> sure because they got married again. And But it would have been the other state, though, the other state where he was trapping, not the state where he married your mother. I did look at those web pages. And there still was no divorce record for him? No, I there were there wasn't a way to find divorce records that old. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not online. You had to order them, but then you'd have to know when it was. And that's why what we ended up doing was finding on the state page a place where you can get a document that verifies these records do or do not exist. And if they do exist, what date and so forth So basically what we had to do then was submit the paper form requesting verification of a divorce record and submitting the form for paper verification of this record that we assume to exist. And by submitting this form to the state vital records department and paying money for them to go and search for this record that we are stating should exist, they will ideally send us back a form saying, no, it does not exist. Well, it doesn't. I mean, it's designed for somebody who 
knows a record exists and is searching for it, but it can be used equally and fortunately for those of us who are looking for a document we are sure does not exist. <laughs> yes. And need to prove that it does not. Yes. And it's, you know, for people who are looking for genealogy information, ancestral information, vital records. Hey, where did this wedding happen? Hey, I need the facts of this death record. I need the facts of this birth record so that I can go to the appropriate county or court or so on to. Social Security, though, they want the forms within a certain amount of time. And she tells you that at the end of the interview on the phone. Mm -hmm. We want the forms within 30 days. Mm -hmm. And we will send you a request for those forms. And I should pay attention to the mail, which I don't always do, but it was there. What I did was, knowing that the 30 days was going to come up, and knowing that what it said on this form was, it takes four to six weeks, not including mailing time in either direction. For the state forms. Yes, for the state forms to docu to show documentation that this thing doesn't exist. <laughs> um, but the feds want it in 30 days, even though the state one's yes. going to take four to six weeks. So I gave them all the other documents and a copy of that page online and wrote a letter saying, here are these documents mm -hmm. and here is proof that we have ordered documentation. However... It also shows it's going to take longer than the request, allotted amount of time from your request. And I dropped that off uh, maybe 10 days ago. So I would expect, because it's in town, although our, town, our mail goes out of town to another state and then comes back to us. The beauties of living in a small town, there is no nearby mail hub. No, there was uh, until a few years ago, but there's no mail hub now. There is no mail hub. It goes far away and comes back. But they will send us back those documents certified, and I'm thinking they will also send us another letter of instructions stating, and I think I did outline in the letter that we did not think the documents existed, and here was why, and I printed a page of the search search that you do when you're you know, like all the ones like all the ones we just talked about. I print one of those pages of zero divorce records mm -hmm. so that they could see that, knowing that there is then a slight possibility they'll take that with the other documents and say, "Okay, this is documentation," and put it through, or they'll then send us a letter of instruction. They'll do one or the other, right? Or they'll do something else, and then we'll tell you about that, because we don't know what that thing is. But yeah. typically, typically they're going to do one of those things. Generally, if you are proactive about showing a government agency that you are trying to follow their instructions, then they are willing to give you a little bit of leeway, as long as the individual you're working with is not a bigot or a jerk. She seemed to be very nice. That's good. But that doesn't mean she's still handling the material because sometimes you send it back to that person and then they've gone on leave or something else and somebody right. else has your case. So there's always that too. I'm waiting for some more stuff in the mail now. Yay. I'm waiting for a passport. <laughs> yep. I'm waiting for a document that says, no, your parents were not divorced. Yep. Or even more shocking, they were. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody, nobody knew except my mother. So... We'll get some mail soon. Probably. We hope. Probably. They're federal documents. They could take a while. Yeah. That's um, one from a state government agency 
who needs time to look for something if it doesn't really exist. Yes. And then one from, I did give them a general idea of the years mm-hmm. because I thought that would help because they are going to have to search in general saying there are no documents. But <clears throat> if I point at the years, uh, we think the year of the October when she signed it and the year after that, mm-hmm. approximately, you know, that, that should help them then get get around to writing a letter back faster saying, no, there aren't any. Right. Um, which hopefully then will satisfy Social Security. If they just send back a letter saying there are no divorce records for these years, then we might have a different problem of proving... That there are no divorce records for any other years. Right. Hopefully the letter would say something like, uh, a preliminary search for other years indicated no records of divorce whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I would hope, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We could have more adventures in documentation <laughs> um, and attempts thereof. Wish us luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that it for now? I think so. Okay. All right. Good. That's it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! Where did you take your mirror off? I, I'm not talking about the... <laughs> I'm talking about the story I'm telling. Okay. Yeah, we'll go back to that. Okay. I'm holding you to that. <laughs> Unless I can get you to forget. <laughs> I'm we... good at forgetting. Yes. Continue. Ha 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 ha!